the Dog and Bone. Welcome to The Dog and Bone, a series of podcasts brought to you by Propeller Group. I'm Martin Lote, curator of The Dog and Bone. In each episode, you'll listen in to a conversation between two senior people at the sharp end of business change and transformation, with their permission, of course. Our two guests will chat and question each other as equals, exploring industry topics and stories from their careers. Hopefully, they'll dig up some tasty morsels for us to chew on. In this episode, two pioneers of the advertising business have a good old natter. John Wilkins was part of the team that set up trailblazing planning agency Naked in the noughties. He's now chairman of Karmarama, which last year was acquired by the huge consultancy group Accenture. Nils Leonard was executive creative director at ad agency Grey London, but last year he broke away with two partners and set up Uncommon, an agency that wants to set the cultural agenda. They launched coffee capsule brand Halo last year, and their first big ad campaign was for energy company Ovo. Listen and hear their stories of launching their businesses and lessons learned on the way. You'll hear about when and why to turn away business, how to fire a bullying client on the spot in a meeting, and what it means to be a punk in the advertising business. John started by asking Nils about his agency's first big campaign. I guess the first place to start is you've started and you've got some work that's on the telly that we all really like. How's it been so far? Yeah, really good. I mean, massive relief to get that out. Uh, I was unbearable for three or four weeks before it. I mean, it's hard because, you you know, we, we opened and, you know, we did a lot of stuff. We started our own brands. We've done all that stuff. But ultimately, you get to a lot of meetings, you do a lot of work and you start to wonder whether you believe your own bullshit because things that you plan to happen don't and so on. and uh, it's just great, and I'm really relieved, I think, that the work was indicative of us and what we're about. The biggest fear was, you know, making some bit of work that didn't chime at all with our values. And, <laughs> and you had to hide. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and it was like, oh, right, yeah, fair enough. And so it was a relief, but you must know what that's You like. always need people championing a new agenda, don't you? And I mean, I think the whole industry was rooting for you guys, and I certainly felt that when, when we did our thing as well. You know, often the sector gets a bit moribund, you know, there isn't enough excitement nobody's taking risks and you know it takes the bold really there's a lot of people who uh, I remember Nick Horswell once said to me at PhD something like 100 people would like to start their own business um, but uh, 90 of them would never really consider it and of the 10 that do only one will succeed (laughs) which I thought was really really stark but but you do end up with everybody rooting for you which I think we all have been which has been good but I think the one thing that I would say is interesting and probably not a direct parallel but something I see in your model is you know there's no denying that the the big creative shops or the mediums whatever you know they're they're also struggling really being given channel specific briefs not really getting that involved in growing their clients business certainly not you know I mean I looked at your um positioning and again I think you've identified another gap in the market and you know you had a great job I had a pretty good job before and I think to do something like you've done you've got to kind of go there's got to be a better way and I remember that was something we wrote down time and time early on yeah I mean I felt there was an itch we couldn't scratch I mean at the end of my time at at Grey we'd made some incredible work but we were you know it was weird when we when I first got there like however 10 years ago we sort of broke it to start it again and you know Rightly or wrongly, I felt like it needed that again. I think there's a trencher brief right now, which I'm really validated by. So, you know, we started going, right, we're not, we're not going to do that again. We're not going to leave our best work at the mercy of clients who may or may not want to make it. We're going to make it ourselves. 
you know, and you've got ads on the other side. In the middle, though, there's a whole trench of briefs that didn't used to exist. And I think that that's what Naked did at their best, too. They created a brand new set of briefs. Mm. And we've got a load of stuff coming now from big global clients who go, well, we'd like you, never mind doing some advertising for an existing brand. We'd like you to start one for us. You know, and that's, that's um, amazing. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah, we've got two or three of those briefs. You know, now that's not even competitive. Like, there's, there's no one servicing that. Well, that is the secret, <laughs> isn't it, of starting a business, you know, finding a non-competitive area in a way because you you know when you start you don't have lots of resource you're still pleased you've got an email you know you don't have a photocopier that works and all of that sort of stuff so the thought of doing big pitches is pretty horrible isn't it because it's so resource consuming so I think if you can identify a new area and attach yourself to a, a new way of being creative which I think you have done then you've really got a fighting chance of accelerating and succeeding where others just can't well, you know and I, yeah. yeah well i think that's the other thing isn't it it's like um you have permission to do things at uncommon that even though you were the same person at gray you didn't have permission to do the world is crying out for people to just start something you know i, I don't yeah. even I, I do think it's great that we seem to have a point of difference but i just think new blood and energy is missing and it kind of feels like people are wanting to fuel it the world is a, i found the world to be a really uh, warm place you know there's this belief that you're all open and you get torn to bits and stuff like that but you know i think it's kind of yeah I, th I think um you know the openness to new ways of working is great and i think unshackling yourself from it i think you've got to have a modicum of talent as well i think like you know it's interesting um when i look at the other agencies that have started you have some and i won't name names but who copy the old model and they're good um but their view is i just want to make some money so i can copy an ad agency model and and then you have others who have no real reason to leave their job like i'd argue you and your crew did who just go actually just want to try something different i actually you know whether it's not about being gray again it's about doing something different and i think you'll probably get a lot more success that way well i hope so i mean when we left someone said the best thing they could have done is park you on your ass for a year because if you'd have left and been able to start the week after you'd have opened gray too um and that is definitely not what we've done you know but i think I think that's true. I mean, I don't. I mean, I kind of look at you, though, John, and go, "Well, if you're walking into Kamarama now, and I think that place, by the way, really felt like it, it shifted when you arrived mm. there, almost more emotionally in its body language. I think than mm. anything else, it took a step up. I think and w with real scale. I mean, what's what's the deal there? Because that's a totally different vibe to yeah. You know, I mean, to where you've come from. I, I guess um, you know, I like working in sort of cultured places. What I mean by that is companies that have a sort of belief system that underpins them rather than just a product that they produce and what I liked about those guys was you know they they're a very soulful company um you know the founding principles and ethics of karma and what goes around comes around you know I identified with everything that was in the sort of DNA but I just thought it could be a bit more confident to be honest and start to maybe practice a bit more of what it it always preached so it was actually um you know, a company ready to go to the next stage. And obviously, you know, we, we were at another stage of entrepreneurialism, which is when I joined where, you know, we, we were entrepreneurs with money because the previous management had brought in private equity. And that's interesting as well because, you know, there's one thing doing it yourself with your own sweat and blood, and that's an amazing experience, albeit absolutely exhausting and strenuous in many ways. There's another thing kind of being given a, a checkbook and you're still an entrepreneur, you've still got a significant stake in the business, but you're sort of, in a way, playing with someone else's money and then trying to get it to the next stage. I guess, you know, it's a classic in Silicon Valley, you know, everybody does it, don't they? They scratch an idea out, 
they get it going, then they raise some money and then they get it to the next stage and then they do something again. But in our in our um, uh, category of creative services, that's been quite an unusual model to go down, actually. I guess the question in all of that is, well, where are you going to end up? You know, what, what is it about now? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think I've sort of always been a bit of a punk, really. So I sort of like being at the destructive edge of change. And um, I guess with um, Naked, I felt like, you know, we forced a lot of people to change. A lot of people hated us. A lot of people liked us, whatever. I like that. Karma was lovely but passive so we put a bit more edge in the game we became a bit more progressive and i think what we've done um recently with accenture has been to sort of move the industry on and again i would say that almost whether it succeeds or fails um because you know we've recognized that creativity needs to plug into bigger business problems and and that's where we can make the biggest difference and consultants sit on the biggest business problems but haven't got a creative bone in their body so you know to me the fact that it really irks Martin Sorrell and really irks all of that lot is great. So I'm sort of like still a punk, just in a big company. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I'm still, punk. yeah, well, I'm, you know, and, and actually, you know, they're, they're bizarrely, I mean, you know, I don't really want to talk too much about them, but what they, what they really are is they, they bought us for what we are and uh, they've no intent of changing us, you know, and the culture that we've got is so important to them because they don't they didn't buy us for scale or revenue or client contacts because they're absolutely fucking massive and they've got shitloads of client contacts so they bought us to if anything dramatically be more us than we were before you know it's a bigger playing field so if anything you know i'm excited about sort of remaining challenging the status quo and sort of trying to shake it up even more and while I'm, while I feel I can do that then I still feel true to myself you know because yeah. I mean ultimately when you when you start your own business and and you know let, let's get back to it you know you do it because you've got an inner yearning to change things and and it's personal, and, uh, and it's personal. there's not enough commercial creativity brought to bear so our intention at uncommon absolutely is rooted in not being dependent but but that's also about being at the top table you know not Which asking you will be, you know. hopefully you know yeah. at the moment we seem to, we seem to be attracting those conversations and you know i think like your previous experience i think it's a really interesting time i think everybody's feeling fragile and a bit tender and a bit threatened yeah um, and that's either going to be very motivating for a bunch of people or stifling i think and, it's got to know. be brilliant for 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 you guys and i think like the one thing when i look at the um agencies that you know i've respected over the last few years that have gone in with a slightly different proposition um you know whether it's anomaly or mother or you know we could list the ones that we've 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 both sort of thought have been exciting for different reasons i think the the challenge really is um not letting your clients sort of define you because you know i remember when anomaly set up cole johnson you know he's like we're going to build products and we're going to and that's going and then we're going to do some advertising to fund building products and i thought brilliant great you know fantastic they're pretty good at advertising suddenly they've got 10 clients who want advertising and they've forgotten about yep. building products and yep. i'm not criticizing them because yep. i still think they're one of the best and then you know mother had their model which i thought was really really interesting but i think you know then they won boots and that's assumed them and meant they had to hire 50 people right, but here's what's weird, right? so i agree with you i love carl and, and obviously what robert's done as well at mother robert Savile and, and carl anomaly a lot of people learned very shabby lessons from them you know, you saw a load of the mainstream agencies set up sort of brand development or product development, you know, and they were thinking about it completely wrong, right? They were like, oh, you know, let's invent a toilet brush with a camera on it. No one gives a fuck about that. Like, and I think they forgot that thing that happens in a pitch where you're 
desperate and you see a gap and an opportunity and a frustration and you want to fix it and someone mm. is getting that's entrepreneurialism for me totally is you know and yeah. I, I look at that and i think the one thing mother don't do enough is talk about mother holdings yeah you know i think that's yeah, a far yeah. more interesting part of their business you Let's know retain help them retain their independence you know they've been the most grown-up commercially of all the independent agencies and they've been a huge success without having to compromise the the core you know and that's 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 a great story i mean it, you know it's a, actually a really good point about um sort of you know feeling seeing the gap and wanting to change things and you know i think thing i worry about about our ad agency friends sort of classic agency space is that um they've got all the skills but they they're not going to get the right briefs the way the industry is structured at the moment so to disrupt that you know ironically we've both done exactly the same thing which is to say we want to fix bigger problems whether in your case creating it or in my case getting into bigger grown-up conversations because we both recognized you know at our best when you get a brief from a client and you go do you know what that isn't going to do it you've got to take this conversation upstream or you that product won't work or why haven't you thought about that service a lot of the clients that go into ad agencies with the greatest respect they're not empowered to do that so you've either got to put your stall out and say don't come to us unless you don't want that which is what you've done or you've got to elevate the conversation into where you know, new companies and new products are being created. So in a funny kind of way, I think even though I've gone big and you're starting from scratch, you know, well, not from scratch, but, you know, I think we're both sort of slightly chasing the same thing, which is to get creativity into a non-frustrating place where you can make a really substantive difference. I completely agree. And I think it comes back, though, to your personal ambition, right? And there was a point at Grey where we'd won a load of stuff. We'd won a Grand Prix. We'd won DNAD twice, Agency of the Year twice in three years or something. And I was standing up at the company meeting, you know, and I was like, fucking hell, how many times? Those can't be the goals. And then it dawned on me that the goals weren't the awards, the goals were the briefs. And I was like, okay, if I want the brief for the Olympic torch, who have I got to be? Mm. And it's not going to be great, you know. And if I want the brief for, you know, the Champions League opening ceremony, if I want the brief for the US presidential election, if I want the brief for all these important things, who do I need to be? And I think that's where we came from. And But we've also made some massive mistakes already. So... You're desperate when you start, and you also believe that you can make the best of everything, even when your experience Natural is telling optimism. you. Yeah. yeah, you do. Even when your yeah. gut man, after twenty odd years, is telling you, "Don't go near that; it's smelly." Mm. You know, and we got approached by a very big, very cool client who would have been amazing. You know, as a founding client, and they were like, "Yep, you know, we're up for it." And there was a little thing in the email, you know, something like, "And we know you guys are kind of a wild card, but fuck it, let's give it a go." And I thought that's not ever how I wanted us discussed. Mm. We're not a fucking wild card. We're an answer, man. We're not, you know, what, and I, I, I sort of aired it and then we did it anyway. And of course, mm. it just went horribly wrong and two weeks later we were like, what are we doing? Mm. And all our energy was going the wrong way. But your, gut, your gut feel is nearly always right. Man, yeah. And the good thing is getting out quickly. Yeah, if you, if you, you know, I remember very early on at Naked we had this uh, American client and he was a, you know, the product was really interesting, but he was a little bit of a bully. And we were so worried about our people. We're very small. I think it was about eight or nine of us. And um, he uh, he was based in, I think, San Francisco. And he sent us um, a sort of bullying email. And I was like, oh, it doesn't feel good. And then he came over to visit us. And he um, he said, uh, he started, like, laying into a couple of the team. And, I and you know, I was, had a quick chat with Will, or I can't remember whether it was John. I said, well, I think we should just go straight back in the room and fire him and tell him to leave and go. And, uh, you know, which you'd never do if you work for Omnicom or WPP, you'd get, you'd probably get fired yourself, you know, and, and, and we're like, yeah, we should do that. So we went back in and said, look, you know, I'm really, really sorry, but we just can't work with people who treat our staff like that. So 
you're going to have to go. And the guy was like, what do you mean? So, well, you know, that's the exit and we need you to leave and, you know, we're, the contract's yeah. over and yeah. really sorry. And, and, you know, of course, you know, he was like, oh, my good God. And actually, I think he went on to be a really good client from memory because he was like, I can't push them around like yeah. that. I think the problem with network agencies is that you're not just accountable for your people. Mm. And I think that's where it goes wrong, right? Because I remember making decisions uh, back then about, oh, God, I, you know, Europe, the wider network, the relationship over there, because you're aware of it. You know, I was chairman of great, you're chairman mm. of whatever. You know what's going on. And mm. and I think that the difference, is, you know, when it is purely yours is that you do just get to make decisions purely on the, on behalf of talent. Robert Savile, um, who's excellent, obviously, at Mother, told me one thing, John, he, uh, when I went to see him, this is a few years mm. ago. He said, Nils, do you know the difference between the speeches you've given that are shit and the ones that are good? He said, the ones that are good market to talent. They speak to talent. They're not trying to be mm. clever. They're not trying to, um, you know, attract clients. They're talking directly to talent. And I, that stuck with me. And I thought to myself, well, what if I made every decision around that? What if every decision Uncommon made was talent first? And it stops you basically being a dickhead. I think you're right. And it also um, propels the culture of your agency. And it means that, you know, the more time you can spend with them telling them how you want them to be and, you know, supporting them, the better your company's going to be. And, you know, I mean, a lot of clients, I mean, that's the brilliant thing about products, which I'd love to talk about a bit more as well. You know, products are semi-permanent clients. Let's be honest, are temporary. I mean, you know, they don't tend to... You know, they might be a client for life, but they might do five jobs. And and w w what's next for the products? Because obviously, I love the sort yeah. of coffee stuff. And yeah. you know, I mean, are you gonna? Yeah. How do you create time for that? Is it a percentage of your time, or do you have to a lot time, or do you, is it just natural? Or yeah, no, we, we were really gonna... ferocious about that. I totally feel the sway and pressure of clients as they come. So we have Fridays. Fridays are for us is our thing, and we carve it out. And there's some interesting chats, right? So we went and meet someone, and we said, oh, we have this thing called Fridays for us. And we always tell our clients we have that. And we know the difference between a good client and a bad one because the bad ones will go, oh, Fridays, well, what if I need you on a Friday? Mm. But why are you starting there? Why are you starting with something that's already a problem for you? You know, and actually, the far healthier conversation is, well, I really respect that because that means their creative talent are better because they're attracting entrepreneurs. It means they're freer, they've got headspace, you know, and, and all the other benefits of it. Um, but I think that's really interesting. So, so yeah, we've got Halo. It's just got another round of funding. That's going to be, I mean, we sold out, right? So Halo is a massive mess under the surface, okay? It's, mm. I'm, not, I'm never going to lie, but I wouldn't change anything about how we grew it. We sold in something like 23 countries. We just sold out, and the, the business Amazing. wasn't geared up for that. We had no idea. And so we re-engineered the whole thing. That's back on sale in May. Um, launching a few sister products as well, which will be really interesting. Um, we have a, an alternative to plastic straws that we're launching completely on our own, which has been literally a build. When you talk about products, it's interesting how much we've realized how much you partner or take existing stuff. So even things like Life Paint way back when was an existing product That's of the right. design group. Yeah. Halo, you know, is an existing partnership with the people that made the capsule and the coffee. Mm. So you go, actually, this straw we're making is a complete design thing from ground up, which I'm really excited about, but that's hard. Who knew? Yeah, yeah. Who knew, you know? And then there's one or two things that just said we're sharing with clients. We've got um, a really cool app, which, uh, you know, I shouldn't mention too much about, no, which, which partners, though, um, amateur sports people with professional clubs. Um, and that doesn't exist. You kind of imagine a LinkedIn for football, which is going to be great. Yeah, it'd be awesome, man. Yeah. I mean, it's going to really going to open up talent. I really believe that. So, all these things that we're cooking away are really, really good. The answer to the industry, you know, with all these big agencies scrabbling to try and is to just try some other stuff. If you've mm. got the reach of WPP or Omnicom, I would 
I would focus far less on trying to make your massive agency slightly better. Mm. And I would back a number of different horses and I would just go, we're just going to open this thing and that thing and try some stuff. The thing is with the um, with the networks or the bigger agencies, I think um, to transform you have to be very brave. And what what I'm worried about with them, and obviously loads of our mates work there, so I, I almost don't want them to fail on a, on a very personal level, is I just can't see how they're going to do that. You know, I think the people who work in there, they're under the cosh for margin and pressure. And, uh, you know, I think the, you know, they relied on the money rinsing through media and we don't even need to go there, but that's sort of disappearing rapidly. And I just can't see where the bravery is going to come from yeah. there. There's such a joy in realising you're in danger. Yeah, and I think that's the, it's thing the healthiest that's the thing. The motivation, right, of yeah. threat. <laughs> and I think they're missing totally. that. Um, and I think we're all going to meet in the middle. Like, as, you know, I think they're going to suffer a bit and get the reds kicked in. But there's bright people running those yeah. companies, man. They're not messing about, you know. Yeah. And I, I think they'll go right. Screw this. Let's change it up. And I think hopefully people like us will come up, and there'll be a brand new sort of shape. I think of the industry. No, I think there's got to be, hasn't there? I mean, it, it, it is going to be interesting because this whole sort of ability to be able to um, aggressively pursue the, the future often comes out of quite dire economic circumstances. I mean, we launched in 2000, which was the dot-com crash. It was literally happened the week before we launched. And everybody's like, what a stupid time to launch an agency. Arguably, for different reasons, you launched into, let's say, an uncertain economic climax. But I think sort of out of adversity always comes the best thinking, the best ideas and the bravest solution. And... Um, you know, there's always somebody who's ahead of that saying, well, I know it's broken, so I need something new. And I think, um, you know, that's why I think you'll succeed. But I actually think those the middle ground holding companies are going to have a rough ride. I mean, maybe publicists, you know, might be at least mm. talking the right game. I don't know. But some of them just look really adrift and lost, you know. Yeah, I just, yeah. Also, my biggest thing, like you said, is the tragedy of some of the people, right? Like, I don't think it's all completely lost, you know. And I think, I think you get some amazing briefs within those places but the bigger picture stuff feeling ownership over the bigger picture i think that was and i can't speak for gray now but i can only speak for it you know then is that we felt like it was ours there was a real sense of trust yeah. actually which is something that people don't associate with you know with wpp or with holding networks but there was a real sense of yeah. trust and i think the only advantage you have in that is your scale yeah. and i just wish more people were empowered to mess with it you know i think it's a talking a good game i'm not sure they're living it no but, who knows who knows yeah so what's what's the um, goal for Uncommon, or is that an unfair question? I mean, no, is it a sort? No, no, no. I'm I'm really. I try to be really clear on this stuff. I don't yeah. believe in. I kind of never. I think there's a lot of hiding in spaff in this industry. But I mean, we want to be an important creative force. We want to make the world better. We prioritise projects with the greatest social impact. It doesn't mean we just work on those, but we do. I don't think you can start a company in the world right now that isn't looking at the world. Never mind our industry. Fuck our industry. Look at the world. People are crying out for better stuff. Saw this um, quote in the window of Patagonia: "Repair is a radical act." That's brilliant. Yeah, I, I love, love that. that. I was like, "Where do we get to? This is so yeah. right." Yeah. People want a longer, more impactful, more deep relationship with stuff, you know. And you were looking at companies like Netflix, and you know, looking at what Channel Four have achieved. Never mind our industry. And mm. I'm just like, I want to be there. Yeah. I want to be some a company that people in the real world know and understand and appreciate. Our job now is far cooler because we get to impact far more change if we get it right. But we can still play in the vices of people. We can still, yeah, yeah. you know, and I love all that. That's that's where the joy is. So I just think if you haven't got an eye on that stuff, you're also missing a path to fame. You know, I, I think there's a vehicle for fame in all of that. You know, you take on those issues, rightly or wrongly, people are going to talk about what you're doing. Um, you know. So, know. so um, 
on to um, lessons learned then. Oh, so, yeah. um, you know, either from <laughs> previous oh. life, I know, I know, or um, early stages. I mean, what, what, what's been the, the harshest or, or the best lessons learned that, you know, if, 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 because it will happen to you a lot, by the way, you know, in a year's time, four guys, three girls will come to you and say, I'm about to start. I've been inspired by everything you've done. What have you learned? What advice can you give me? And it always has to be quite pithy. <laughs> so yeah, no, what, 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 what's what's coming through at the moment? Well, no, just the, the main the main one, the main recurring one is genuinely the, the story I told about that client that plays in my head every night because we threw everybody and it was only seven people, but that was our everything, all right? Mm. Like, this is our lives, at a ship brief. And it ate our time and our energy and hurt people. And you're aware that the smallest decisions you make around that stuff, you know, the things you do, you're not doing other stuff. And you kind of go, Christ, if you choose those things badly, you fuck it all up. And you can f it's so delicate, isn't it, when you yeah. start? I mean, you, you know, if you did six of them no, in a year, you're, you're done. done. You're, you're done. out of the game. Maybe three. Yeah. You know, maybe three. And, and because, yeah. you, you know, if you talk about a pitch or a meeting, whatever, if you're doing it at a level, genuinely at a level, I mean, if you're walking in with a bit of A4 paper, fine, but we don't do that. If you're doing it at a level, which you mm. definitely play Invested, at, we play yeah. at, you go at it. Yeah, you're invested. And yeah, man, and, and that's scary, you know. Um, I think this stuff around hiring, again, it's never been so important. Don't hire fucking people you don't like. Just mm. don't do it. Mm. You know, I remember you talked about this before, but I mean, I'm pretty sure you've got stories there, but a couple of people have come along and you're in need when you start. Mm. You're in need for talent and energy and people. Yeah. And, but again, you know, go with your gut. We brought some people on that, that um, just weren't right, you know, and you got to you got to quickly. And that's hard. Yeah, yeah. Generally, you can look at a CV and you can and you can look at the work and you can go, these people are competent. But actually, the reason to hire them isn't because of that. It's because of you know, are you going to enjoy hanging out with them and uh, and spending time with them? And when it's late at night, are they going to be with you or are they are they going to be at home or whatever? You know, and I think so. The people things, people thing, I think is probably the most important. I mean, what you're saying about the paucity of time. I mean, I I got given some good advice by different people, but. Somebody, and I can't remember who it was, said, only do what only you can do. And that goes for you as an individual, but also you as an agency. And I think a lot of startups get too caught up in the machinations of running a business. And, you know, we we took that advice and we outsourced everything yeah, right. that wasn't high-end creativity. Everything. And everybody was like, well, how can you afford to have back office? And we're like, because we don't want to spend one second on something that isn't challenging for us so that 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 I always thought that that was that was um useful advice because i've seen a lot of other really great startups sort of flounder by just getting stuck in no, computer technology right. and pricing and, and billing and about those hours in that day you're absolutely right you're spending your time talking about that crap you're absolutely right the ability to be in it together is pretty fundamental and the ability to have a really fucking good laugh because it is brutally hard i mean you know it's hard on everybody it's not only hard on the team it's hard on the relationships as you say it's it's personal it's intensely personal and uh having sympathy around everybody's lives and children and differences in lifestyle and being totally empathetic is absolutely critical and sort of recognizing that you know, I remember John Harlow, he had small children when we started and it was like, yeah, John, you need to get out of the office. You know, if we we don't yeah. mind doing it later, yeah. you can have two late nights a week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it is good, yeah. you know, yeah, boundaries, spend time man, with boundaries. your kids. So Charlotte and I, my wife, have almost childlike boundaries. Yeah. Um, you know, and we've had to put those in place because you're right, you can spend your life just doing it. If anybody is listening to this, just go and do it because if you want every handshake 
and email to mean more and to be mm. more vital and more and feel more alive that's what it does it does i remember yeah. shaking someone's hand our first client man i swear to god i walked out of there like fucking this is insane do you have tears rolling yeah, down your cheeks sure, man, because this person had gone <laughs> yeah yeah you know all right yeah fine and it's like big you know big yeah it's personal money and you go god he's he's bought into you guys and it's personal i mean i just remember so it, it literally it sounds a bit cliche but it's an incredible roller coaster so for every one of those handshakes you know, when you get binned the first time, which hopefully you haven't yet, but when, when the first client fires you, which is sadly inevitable, you're like, you know, you, you literally want to start stabbing yourself, you know, because you're like, I could have stopped that. You know, the, the, I can't externalise that. I can't blame that on a network or a yeah. pricing issue yeah. or whatever. Yeah. The only people who fired up was us. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's, it, it is. It's an absolute emotional roller coaster. And then when you overlay the fact that you do have to work extremely hard, and you've all got home lives and children and boundaries. Um, you know, it, it's complex. But no, I, I'm with you. I mean, the only thing I would say is I love the fact you said everybody should do it. I, I actually think everybody should do it who wants to change something. Yeah. So I, the, the ones I don't have a huge amount of sympathy with are the sort of ones who go, do you know, I just want the money. Yeah. I want to be like mine, Sorrel, but, you know, different. And you're like, well, why, why do you want to be like him? So um, we're, we're nearly on the wrap now. So oh, we're into uh, a silly story, which is a, a fun way to end. Could be anything. Right. So let's try and think. You can go first. <laughs> Unless it's too much pressure. Let's try and think of the most ridiculous thing that's happened to I us got, in I, our industry. I have some horrible truths. So um, here's one. On our first week, someone did a poo in the toilet so big it blocked. Yeah. There's only four of us. Did you have to scoop it out? We had some people come up who then explained that that was the problem. Mm. Uh, and it got log jammed so hard <laughs> in the thing they had to take the toilet apart. There's art on the wall now to commemorate that. My mind would be, uh, we were working with a very famous uh, campaign. It was actually 118118. And uh, the clients were American. And um, they they uh, turned up at our office and uh, and uh, at about 10 in the morning off uh, Red Eye. And we had not met them before. We'd dealt with the UK guy but not the others and they walked in and three or four of them were like very big I mean but like very the, the sort of size only Americans can be like big in every direction and we have very cheap furniture in that kid <laughs> very very cheap furniture yeah. and this one guy the biggest one walked into me and he said uh, do you have any food and I said well we, we don't but I can get you some it's like half ten I said what would you like he said I'd like a pizza I was like okay I'll, I'll get you that you, you take a seat and then um, I'll, I'll order a pizza from Domino's over the road. And he looked at the chair that I told him to take a seat and he looked me in the eye and then he looked down at the chair and he looked me in the eye. And, you know, and it was a very big unspoken eye-to-eye -eye thing. He was like, I'm going to fucking smash that chair to pieces if I sell it. <laughs> so I was like, well, actually, I said, I'm just thinking it through. You didn't say a word. I said, why don't you just stand there? I'll get your pizza and I'll come in with a slightly... More voluptuous um, armchair, so you can sit down. I thought I can't remember. It was quite heavy. We had to carry quite a big piece of furniture in. But I mean, you know, I mean, to be honest, you could. There's a there's another show in just going through stupid shit that happens because yeah. I mean it is one of the most fun yeah. industries and stupid shit happens all the time. Yeah, I know for sure. Yeah. So Nils, it's been wonderful chatting to you, and um, you know, uh, yes, yeah, see you again very soon. And uh, yeah, it's been a laugh. Yeah, thanks, mate. Thanks for joining us on the Dog and Bone. Please subscribe to the podcast and if you have any questions or suggestions, do get in touch via our website, dogandbone.dog or send us an email at woof at dogandbone.dog. <laughs>